Salailo Salota with Dirpa there. Uh, those are the sounds they off. And uh, this is Lifetime Live here on SFM. Leading the conversation now is Advocate Sipo Mantula, who's researcher in the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa, IDRA, at uh, UNISA, talking about understanding between civil war and tribal war. Welcome to Lifetime Live, Advocate. Hello? Okay, so let's go straight to it uh, in terms of what the difference is between civil war and uh, tribal war. Maybe let's start with a bit of history in terms of, you know, war itself. Uh, when it comes to anthropologists and the studies that they've been, or if they look at archaeological records of different regions, war is not something that's always been there. It's, it's kind of fairly new. Maybe one can argue was introduced when capitalism was introduced, when there was competition and, you know, fighting for trade in goods and, and those kind of things. What, what can we deduct from history in terms of how far war goes? Correct, my sister. I think that you have uh, captured it very well when you are raising the issue of uh, looking at the sources and the origins of uh, conflict, even if one can look at the uh, sense that war has got the, one can say, the character of uh, undermining the human spirit and the human dignity. If you look at Africa as well, because you will find that when you are talking of war, it has been, it is a synonym of conflicts or tribal wars in Africa, as if Europe has not undergone such exercise or such a, a experiment. But you look at the Roman Catholic, I mean, the Roman Republic as the early first centuries BC, but you look back as well uh, during the many invasion crusades of African uh, kingdoms, whether you look at West Africa, you look at Southern Africa, you look at Central Africa, you'll find that still war was used as the issue of power. Mm. So one should not, uh, Sister Sanda, uh, miss, I mean, miss that point that for a, for a war or for a conflict to can be said that there is an end result. There have to be something that somebody has gained. And normally it will be either territory or having access to the natural resource. So when you look at the anthropologists, they are a bit economical with, with the truth of not showing that Africans uh, in the ancient times, in the time immemorial, they were very peaceful. They were uh, people who never even thought of building prisons. There were never people who were engaging into war tactics because diplomacy, if maybe I can use that word, diplomacy, they will say it is the art of war, mm. meaning... Diplomats negotiate for them not to have war, but to have peace. Now, if you look at the current context that we are in, you find many uh, conflicts or civil wars that are being fought are around even political ideologies. So one moving from the history coming to the post-independence uh, Africa in the 60s, you find that the issue of still undermining the African territory, the African culture, the African heritage and language, War was used as a weapon to can undermine the African humanity and the African identity. So, if that's the case, uh, advocate, that you know, because the African identity and the African mm-hmm. was undermined as Africans ourselves, how are we not able to change that? Because war well, is still continuing say, on the continent. One, one can say that even in the continent, we had the mechanisms and ways how to resolve conflict. That's where the issues of mediation came into force. 
But you find that as Africans, even tribal wars that we were finding ourselves into, there were issues around even how uh, the Berlin Conference uh, did the greater damage. Because the 1884 Berlin Conference, one can say those were the architects of war. Those were the, uh, what you can say, promoters, sustainers of a civil and a tribal war. Because when you look at the Berlin Conference in Africa, we are still suffering from even the language. When you look at the Anglophone, the Francophone, the Lusophone, the Arabic uh, 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 communities. Now, in the continent, what you, one has to see, we will look at what we call ancient scriptures and the Bible. People will say that Africans will, even if they are in the battlefield, they will pray. They will look at those prayers of saying, how do we find ourselves into this conflict and this war because what it will do, it will not only hurt us, but it will also even damage the the land, environment, the water pollution mm. that happens during the conflicts in the continent. So one might find that even today, African solutions are being sought in Western tables, in Western corridors of diplomacy. That's why we have, some of us will find it very strange that when peace agreements have to be signed, they have to come first by Western mediators, but actually you find that those peace agreements comes out from a historical conflict, a tribal conflict, and a civil war. And you find that mediators don't even understand the languages, the what we call the who can even decipher the languages of uh, communities who have been the victims of those conflicts, and at the same time becoming even perpetrators, because many young children as a child soldiers in Central Africa, in the Great Lakes Africa, are young people, and you will ask yourself, do these children understand this value of conflict or this value of war? Why are people going to war? What is it that we are trying to can demonstrate or maybe show off when people go to war? Because that's how empires of Europe were built upon conquering and having crusades in the continent, and in some sense, stealing African knowledge. What is the difference between civil war and tribal war, advocate? In one can say that you find that the civil war, Sister Asanda. One can say that it, 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 it might be within the it might be within the state. Uh, it might be a highly organized conflict uh, where it will include what we will say regular armed groups, or others will say irregular armed groups, which is your terrorist groups. But when you go to tribal war, you might find that the tribal war can be even, like I've said, the Berlin Conference effects. You look at the Rwanda genocide, the Burundi conflict, mm. when you find the two and the who to fight. You might find others say, but this is an ethnic tribal war. But you find that it was instigated by the foreign powers. So one thing is that tribal war, you find that it is a war that, again, it is not highly organized, but it happens based on either fight over uh, resources, and then even civil war, you find that it's a war over political ideology, and it's got still its its bearings from the foreign powers or what you can call the uh, uh, the Roman Republic in those uh, ancient days where they have looked at your World War One, the World War Two. That's where you will find that even Africans were forced to can even participate in those illegal and unjust wars. 
20 minutes past two is our time here on Lifetime Live, chatting to Advocate Sipo Mandula, researcher in the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa, understanding between a civil war and a tribal war. You can call in on 0891104207, SMS us on 40938 at 1.50 per SMS. You can tweet us uh, as well. Uh, well we're going to read a few uh, tweets here as well. I'm seeing some coming through and uh, someone citing the 9-11 Attacks, terrorist mm-hmm. attacks uh, on uh, in September mm-hmm. 2011. I'm trying to see my my producers also typing at the same time. We all multitasking, but okay. The 9/11 mm-hmm. attacks. Wh- where, where does this fall? Under civil war or tribal war? You can maybe categorize it as well as you'll understand that it was a so-called Islamic war against the Amer- Americans. Again, we have religious wars, and mm. that you can say. Being tribal, is, was it ethnic in terms of religion? Because when you think of ethnic conflicts, you look at uh, the issues around language, the issues around religion that are the push and the pull factors. But when you look at the civil war, you might not say that the Islamic State wants to have control over America when you know already it's a Republican or Democratic state. So one can maybe classify the 9-11 again as a, not only as, uh, 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 terrorism, but as a political violence, then it falls under civil war. On the African continent, uh, uh, advocate, is war a generational curse? Oh, that is, I, I can't tell. You know what you are raising? It, it, it reminds me of the conflict of, I mean, the war that is in the South Sudan. When you talk of even generations, mm. that generations that were born in the in the sixties, there in the seventies, there is still conflict going on. One cannot say it is not only a chess, but it is a negative interruption. Uh, you might say you, we need a positive interruption of peace and even development. Even if you see it as a generational case, you find that again it is contestation over resources, but at the same time, beneficiaries become either the sons or the daughters of the masters or the colonizers. And that's where you find in many African countries. The issue that still uh, says is that many countries are in military states. They are not only political or cultural or even traditional states, but you find many African countries, whether Central Africa, East Africa, North Africa, it is still having this military state. And then in militarism, you think of war. So the art of war is the uh, end state. It is relying on its second a most powerful uh, uh, element, which is the military. So we find that in Africa, there's a need for us to look around. Why do we say we need to de-militarize uh, our own communities? Because I think in Africa, once you have many uh, uh, guns in the villages, you have many mili- uh, generals in the village, you, you will ask yourself, what war are we, are we even defending? What war are we even pursuing? Mm. Because in the continent, when there were... Uh, I mean, in Europe, where there were cold wars, we say in Africa, other uh, thinkers, they say there was hot wars uh, that were happening. So this case, it was under, I'm, I'm still doubtful whether this case, can it be redeemed, can it be, uh, uh, can it undergo maybe rehab? It's something that we should be thinking along. Another tweet at uh, one will or I will one is uh, black people attacking black people. You will never mm-hmm. ask your masters all these sorts of questions. Mm-hmm. They make you fight each other. They never apologize mm-hmm. for slavery and apartheid. We never mm-hmm. asked whites how it felt to oppress us. So I mm-hmm. guess it's what you've touched on that, you know, mm-hmm. 
being oppressed, you adopt the oppressed mentality and you end up turning against uh, each other. Correct. I think for us back home in the southern Africa, we will remember the apartheid uh, atrocities, the creation of the homeland in 1976 to 1981. If you remember the creation of more than 10 homelands, it has created the black-on-black violence post-1991, 1992, when we saw what happened in Katakon, Togoza, what happened in Cape Town, in, in KwaZulu-Natal. We were having that sense of why was this a state force, but this state force became like basically it was the tribal war that was funded, aided by the apartheid military regime. So to think that even in the issue of, of causing conflict and even uh, tribal wars, you find that there is an ideology being used, there is the military power that is being used, there is even state security that has been invested in, and there is even as well as the what we call propaganda, the media that has been used as well, how to cover the conflict, how to even report conflict, and how you look at the Rwanda genocide that one of the radio stations was found to be one of the perpetrators of that Rwanda genocide in terms of ethnic cleansing of other groups using the uh, power of radio. Do call us on 0891-104-207 as we continue our understanding between a civil war and a tribal war. Uh, just discussing that in general. You can WhatsApp at us as well on 061-410-4107. You can SMS 40938 at 150 per SMS. Tweet us, Facebook, uh, Instagram us at SAFM Radio. My name is Asanda Beda. And uh, we know too, Martin, we'll be taking your call just now. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Welcome, Martin, from Cape Town. Yes, Mr. Sander, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Puti? Yes, I Okay, the, on the issue of uh, civil war and tribal war. But uh, what I wanted to contribute is, you know, in most cases of um, these wars happening here in Africa, what I've uh, really noticed is that, um, let's take, for example, the issues that are happening here in South Africa, where with the recent one being the um, uh, attack on foreigners, uh, the wars between uh, Africans against Africans. What I think, that's my, 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 my taking, mm. this one. You see, the, 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 the issue here, there are some hidden forces behind all this. And if you find out some of these things, they are meant to disrupt the main focus uh, of, of real issues in Africa for Africans. I will give you a good example of what, uh, what is happening here in South Africa, where you find black people are fighting upon black people. I personally think, if I am wrong, uh, advocate is there, you can, you, can, you can correct me. I personally think, you see, the forces behind these things are meant to distract and focus Africans on the main issues, for example, the land issue that is happening here in South Africa. That's where you find many of these wars, many of these uh, 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 things happening here between Africans and Africans. And in, in most cases also, my, my last contribution, in Africa as well, if you see in most countries where people are fighting black against uh, blacks, you see behind the scenes, Africa is being looted. People are busy taking all that they can, uh, and, and people are busy fighting for the small crumbs. Mm. crumbs of bread you see that's my taking that's my taking on so, this uh, so if you issue. say it is to plant a distraction against the main focus in africa was that main focus be then unity is that what you're saying 
Yes, yes, which is which is mainly unity between Africans. You know, you see, the moment people are fighting, I, I, I personally think the moment people are fighting, they tend to ignore the rest. You see, you, you, you take, for example, the last thing that was happening recently. You see, people, are, the, the moment the land issue was almost coming to fruition, the discussions and everything, people are discussing about that. All of a sudden, there is a destruction. People are fighting. Foreigners are being beaten. Uh, Africans are fighting against Africans. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Thank you for your yes, call. Yes. Yeah, thanks so much for and, your call. And unity is distracted in, 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 in that way. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Sandra. All right, Advocate, unity is uh, being mm-hmm. distracted. War is a form of distraction. Mm-hmm. Correct, Sister Sandra. Sister Sandra, you remember that, that now we have a good positive case study in East Africa in terms of the unity between Eritrea, Somalia, Ethiopia, and Djibouti. They have went on a conflict for more than 30 years. You look now at DRC Congo, 1998, the first World War One in Africa, where you lost more than 5.5 million to 6 million people. DRC, even if we know that their elections have not been going through very well, mm. the issue of reconciliation and peace. Now, the destruction that I said, it might be positive and negative, which is even at the same time an interruption. And the interruption might be convenient, and in some instances might be even prolonged. And that's where the issue that he is raising, I think it is quite true that sometimes it is very critical that Africans need to find solutions and even engage on this mediation that I've raised earlier, that in terms of dialogue, in terms of communication, understanding one's culture, one's heritage, history. Yeah. I think that's where we are able to can even diffuse and even be able to arrest. Let's hold that thought there because we have to go to news headlines. If you can just stay with us, Advocate, we'll continue our chat. Understanding between civil war and tribal war. It's just gone after half past two. Over to you, Utzile. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM. 105.8 FM in Neisner. On uh, Lifetime Live, chatting to Advocate Sipo Mandula, understanding between civil war and tribal war. Uh, my name is Asanda Beda. If you've just joined us, you can still call in 891 You can SMS 40938 at 1.50 per SMS. Tweet us at SFM Radio. So a tweet here from Ed Dinono for Pico is uh, disagreeing with you, Advocate, in, on the mm-hmm. ancient Africans being peaceful. So he's challenging mm-hmm. that. I wish, Dinono, you uh, had given us more details in terms of why you are disputing that ancient Africans were peaceful. I suppose it goes back to the, the issue of history being debatable. If one is doing research, though, where you know, how do we know which parts uh, or which information of historical, archaeological findings are true and which ones are not? Because at the end of the day, there is also personal influence. Correct. There is a personal influence, but there is even, again, a Western mon- monopoly of uh, monopolizing knowledge, like this Maybe before this one, I can answer the issue of the conflicts in Africa. I'll use one line that there are hidden hands behind African conflicts. It was a title of one magazine called The New African in 2015, uh, January issue. And it, it speaks about what we are talking about today, about who are the sponsors of conflicts and war in Africa. But going back to the history of why I say African countries have been peaceful and kingdoms, Sister Sanda was in Addis Ababa just recently in Ethiopia. Ethiopia has been a peaceful state until when Italy wanted to, I mean, wanted to colonize it. It never colonized it. It was briefly invaded. Many African countries, including South Africa, it was colonized, meaning it was not colonized in a 
platter or in a peaceful talk. It was colonized through conflict. Now, at some point, when talk of peacefulness, it took care the way it was so peaceful. It even warned Italians that never come closer to us because we don't abhor, I mean, we do abhor war and conflict. We want to live in peace. Hence, you find many kingdoms in Africa, like I have said, the Ashantis in Ghana. You look at the uh, people from the Mali kingdoms. You look at even people from Botswana. Look at, at, at our neighbors. One of the peaceful borders uh, uh, in the southern Africa has been in Botswana. Swaziland, yes, there's been political unrest. But you look at Namibia, only after Southwest Africa moved out, you looked at Lesotho, it's a kingdom that has been embroiled with military conflict, I mean military politicization. Mm. But you've been having even these peaceful nations by even the language. When an African or Musotar, Pulanala, he's using the peace language. He doesn't have to go and sign a peace agreement to say that we want to have peace in our country. So you want to look at the elements of nature that has made Africans to be peaceful, but they were interrupted. And mm. they were not interrupted peacefully. They were interrupted violently by the colonizers and the foreign powers. Hence, I went back to the 1884 scramble for Africa. That it was one of the pull triggers of wars and tribal wars in Africa. Okay, let's take our last caller, Ndivbueni from uh, Bloemfontein. Welcome to Lifetime Live. Hi, Asanda. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Pudi? I'm good. Uh, I just want to thank uh, the prof. Uh, he's actually telling the truth. Uh, Myself, I'm an engineer. I used to work in uh, DRC. Mm. I remember one day I asked the, the rebels, because I had time where I had to go drink, uh, uh, and then I'll, I'll meet rebels and stuff, because they are known to the community. If you ask those guys, they will tell you exactly why they have decided to fight against each other. Sometimes you find out that the foreign forces will give them drugs and guns, give the other side drugs, give the other side guns, and then they turn them against each other, and then they stand and say, look what those two people are doing. Why is it that every time whenever there's, there's, a, there's a mineral or a scarce mineral in Africa, the foreign forces will, will use a, a, a PR to say that, okay, DRC, for example, is in a dire state, it needs help and all sorts of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then those countries, they will send armies to go and uh, any form of like they're protecting us against ourselves. You cannot say you're protecting us. If I'm Congolese, you're protecting me against my other Congolese brother. They're actually looting. Why is it that UN uh, uh, invests a lot of money in peacekeeping in African countries, knowing deep down in their heart that it is not all about peacekeeping. It's all about stealing our resources and turning one brother against each other, uh, against one another to say, I'm going to fight my own brother simply because of profit. These wars in Africa, they are all sponsored. He's telling the truth because even the mines that I was working for, they were Americans. How can the, the AU unit, the battalions that protect us when we work at those mines, it's Americans. They are protecting us because we are protecting the capital. We are protecting American interest. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for your call, Ndibueni uh, uh, from Bloemfontein. Advocate, police brutality, uh, especially, you know, what we've seen happening in the U.S. against African-Americans, can that be defined or regarded as war? Correct. One can say that even if you can say it is a violent uh, protest by the community and you want to maybe react, once you become violent as well, one can can still even classify it as, as a conflict because ultimately there will be death. 
there will be some uh, people who are, who are injured. There will be no even any uh, due process of the law. So you find that even um, when you have the conduct of any security force in any African country, you will always expect them to have restraint, to work around tolerance, to understand the communities. And, and that's where you find that in American countries, even the element of racism has been there. There's a, there is the issue even of, of a race card whenever there are protests, and the issue of the force, the mighty power of using the force, and that force being the ammunition. And for, for us to be talking about this issue, this is the Asanda, it's mm. said that in Africa we are talking of two years from now where we want to silence guns. But others we are saying we're not only silencing guns, we are actually even uh, uh, encouraging more ammunition in Africa. We are encouraging more trade in weapons in in Africa. And at the same time, the police violence it, it even becomes conditioned in the sense that police are trying to do what to can restore their status quo, which is normally the political power. Because in more, many instances, power used by the security forces, it is always to think about their political principles. So you mentioned the Franco- difference between the Francophone regions, the Anglophone regions, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned Lusophone. What is that? Look at you, you'll find that we are, we are talking about your Angola. Angola had the longest civil war as well, that we cannot run away from. You had Madagascar. Madagascar had many military coups, like Comoros. Uh, you look at, uh, 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 one can say, the island of Madagascar, like I say, it is a military conflict, which has been heavy, having many coups. Mm. And again, you find that the French involvement in the Lusophone states as well, you have the the, the French, you have the Portuguese being involved. And it is not that we are mentioning countries' names because we are maybe trying to expose. It is what is in the historical text, what is in the uh, international law text about conflicts that have been going on in uh, Africa. So when you think of the Lusophones, you are thinking of your Angola, you are thinking of your Mozambique. Look at those conflicts, how they have gone for too long that other children have been born out of those conflicts and they are still struggling find their peace together in terms of understanding what are the real terms of life when actually war has become the new order of the day. Let's leave it there, Advocate. We thank you so much for your time. If we can just maybe close it with a few tweets. Uh, Nazim Khruatboom tweets that civil war and tribal war, all in all, it's fighting. And uh, at Poli124-0764 is uh, tweeting, civil war in Africa is caused by foreign countries that are exploiting Africa and creating division. And the main problem is America, which kind of echoes with, uh, I think, what, what Dibueni says, as well as... Um, uh, Martin in Cape Town but uh, yeah well I suppose uh, that's uh, kind of wraps up our chat and uh, I think we've touched on what we can for now but thanks for your time Advocate Thank you very much Sister Asanda Advocate Sipo Mandula is researcher in the Institute for Dispute Resolution in Africa at UNISA. We're going to take a short break it's 22 to 3